Ladies and gentlemen and Corner Kick fam, welcome back to Man Booth again this week. Uh, I'm Nathan Strauss, joined by a man who will not be traveling 10 hours round trip via bus to play Middlesbrough. It is Caleb Rhodes. No. <laughs> Oh, one, God. One of I, wasn't it Kai Havertz today who who said that he would he would pay potentially that Tuchel was joking about, or maybe wasn't joking about driving the bus himself, um, and and parking the bus would would presumes as well in that instance. Um, yeah, I mean it's 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 pretty interesting to, and this is just we're going to get into the actual discussion about what that's a reference to, which is of course the current situation at Chelsea, uh, but. It's crazy how like a five hour bus trip is like the worst trip that you could possibly make by bus in England. Meanwhile, last week I willingly drove six and a half hours and got from Amherst, Massachusetts to Delaware, which is like, <laughs> which is like maybe a third of the way down uh, the Atlantic coastline. So people in Europe don't really, or people in Europe and you know, off the continent as well. Don't really uh, understand how 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 nicely they have it when you know you have teams like the New England Revolution traveling twenty five hundred miles, um, you know, multiple times per season, uh, which is like London to Saint Petersburg. But I digress. Let's get into the nitty gritty, and we figured we would start off with Chelsea because this situation transcends their Champions League tie tomorrow uh, and their FA Cup uh, tie this coming weekend. But since we last talked. Chelsea, well, more strictly Roman Abramovich and Chelsea underneath him have had all of their assets frozen. And the English government has set very, very strict limits as to what can and cannot be done and sort of what funds are able to be tapped into. So Chelsea have a maximum, I think, of 20,000 pounds or 30,000 pounds that they can spend on sort of match day travel. Uh, They're not allowed to sell any kits or anything from their club shop. Uh, and they're basically being run uh, like the base team in football manager if you were to start in like the 10th tier of English football, which obviously for a club like Chelsea, which have to travel not just to Middlesbrough by bus, but also to Lille like tomorrow, uh, can certainly provide some uh, challenges. So, Kayla, I'm curious what your thoughts on the whole situation are, but also on, um, I guess, what Chelsea can and, and can't do right now. Yeah, I mean, it's leading to some very weird situations. So, you know, in light of all of the sanctions too, other sponsors of Chelsea no longer want to sponsor the club. So three, uh, I, I forget, are there like a car company or a car? I think, um, I think they're Irish. Like a tel- rental they're car? Tel- no, they're, they're oh, telecom. telco. They're telecoms. Yeah. Okay, they're telco. Oh, I'm thinking of Kazoo. Oh, yeah, course. naturally, um, which is um, Everton's sort of fake name. Yeah, it's, it's all, it's blue. Okay, so... Three, the, the Irish telco, as I, I'm being told now, and Hyundai, uh, who are both kit sponsors, both said that they no longer wanted to be sponsored and they no longer wanted to be presented on the shirt. But the problem is because Chelsea aren't allowed to like purchase more of their shirts or like produce more stuff, they still have to just wear the shirts that they have, which still have that branding on it. Um, but I think 
this all goes to show that like the situation that the club is in and the kind of sanctions that the club itself are facing are pretty extreme. Um, and I, I don't fully understand, you know, like the full technicalities and, and legalities of it. Um, but I don't know. It seems like they might be putting a little too much, you know, burden on like the team itself. Like let, let them get not a charter flight, but let them get like a commercial flight, you know, like let them, I don't know. I just feel like some of this stuff is like, who is it really punishing exactly? At the same time, I do support some of the stuff that they aren't allowed to do. Like the fact that they can't sell tickets, um, the fact that they, you know, they won't have, uh, won't be able to have away fans uh, at games because they can't sell their away ticket allotment, which has led to them begging Middlesbrough uh, to <laughs> to voluntarily also not have fans, which I think is pretty lame. Um, so I think that stuff makes sense. But some of the sanctions that more directly just affect like the player's ability to physically get to the game seems a little aggressive to me. Because also like, well, if you don't want them to play, then just make them not play. Right. And this seems just like making the lives of the players more difficult and it's not their fault. Right. Yeah. Cause, cause the reason that Chelsea asked to have this, that this game with Borough played behind closed doors is for quote sporting integrity, which is the same phrasing that we heard during the very beginning of project restart um, involving sort of fans and also COVID tests and whatnot. Uh, an actual grounds for sporting integrity would be like limiting reasonable ways to travel or like limiting expenditure on like meals that you could serve players like all of that stuff that's actually um that's actually sort of detrimental to to the um the integrity of of the game but also like i i have very little sympathy for i think there's a lot of there's been a lot of sort of repentance from chelsea fans saying like oh you're punishing us for what our owner has been alleged to have done. But on the other hand, you see the chance that they're doing, sort of chanting and praising Abramovich like they did last week. And the banner. And the complete lack of contextualizing that these fans have done since 2004, right? Uh, because Chelsea, like Manchester City, were in vastly different stratospheres in terms of their level of competition. And you just have to think that in some ways this is penance for 17, 18 years of lying down with dogs, if you will. And, and now they're waking up with fleas. And I understand that this is like a very slippery slope, like Caleb, you and I talked about last time where it's like, okay, like why is Ukraine the line that we're drawing? And why is like, you know, cause like <laughs> there are very few, if any good billionaires, right? Um, oh, well, but and also, when you read the charges that the, that the English government have levied, and they're like incredibly specific, it's hard to disagree with, I guess, the, the the foundations of these sanctions. No, no, no. I understand. I think I think we agree on that, and I also think that Chelsea fans almost never acquit themselves well, um, whether it's you know saying racist things to people on the French metro, or you know still having flags of Abramovich as recently as this weekend. Um, I don't expect a lot out of Chelsea fans. And I think one of the most effective ways for a sanction to work is to actually limit fan access. Um, I just think though, like $20,000 budget for like an away trip, including travel to and there, lodging, you know, a full squad and managers is like 
super tight. Um, and once again, I don't think a lot of the players, save you know people like John Terry who are still posting tweets in support of Abramovich with old pictures of him. Well, John um, Terry should be, wary, <laughs> should be bearing the brunt. But like once again, John Terry, not not someone who I think we expect a lot. No, he's of. made this sort of like Faustian deal where yeah. every single thing he supports is just the wrong side of history in every <laughs> single possible situation. Yeah. Um, but John Terry uh, comes out of retirement to join Russian national team. But uh, one of the points you made was about, you know, like what is the standard that we're holding them to? And I think it was interesting this weekend, obviously the new, uh, I'll say bad guy in town in England is MBS owning Newcastle and MBS just executed like 80 people last weekend. And, you know, Eddie Howe was asked about it and, and kind of deflected, which once again, I agree as I've said before, managers are not responsible for who their owners are, right? Once again, we have to make the management operations ownership distinction, which we've talked about many times before. But it is just a little ridiculous, right? That Abramovich, who is ostensibly not the government, although in some sense he is, but is not like personally waging war, um, is, is bearing these sanctions. But MBS, who very much is the government. He is the crown prince. Well, executing people, and there's no well there. Of- and one of the one of the consortia that's been rumored to be in for Chelsea is another Saudi-led firm. So, if this right. is the watershed moment for sort of club ownership, I would love to see this lead to some sort of like fan equity type stuff. But then again, I find that uh, very very unlikely. So. Uh, it, all this stuff does make, I mean, like OG corner kick was us having the discussion about like, you know, 50 plus one in Germany. And I think it's pretty, you know, interesting and evident that, you know, like German, German football, which is not as high profile, it's not quite as high quality, does not have these types of problems, though, in part because fans um, and sort of like Germans, people that live there and are sort of growing up as fans of the team maintain control over the clubs. And it's not, you know, purchased by some of the most loathsome people I I feel comfortable saying um, out there. Yes, I agree. And you can soon catch Barcelona games at the Spotify premium camp new presented by Joe Rogan. Uh, But I wonder if I'll get like extra, (laughs) extra like perks, (laughs) like, 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 can I get like a, can I get like Barcelona, you know, FCB TV, like as in a bundle with, uh, with Spotify premium, like, can I add it to my family plan along with like ESPN? Isn't that the thing? Or is it Hulu? Yeah. Hulu, uh, et cetera, et cetera. No, I'm sure they'll figure it out and I'll buy it because I'm a sucker, but uh, sorry. No, but yeah, but anyways, with, with the Chelsea situation uh, in mind, obviously they play tomorrow in the second leg of their Champions League round of 16. Uh, they're up 2-0 on Lille. I f- see them going through fairly comfortably, uh, regardless of what happens, uh, whether or not they have to sort of take the channel uh, instead of flying. Uh, and Juve face Villarreal uh, at home for Juventus, and I would love Villarreal to win but uh, I doubt that will happen. But so much has happened on the pitch in the last week and a half, uh, starting with the second leg of uh, Liverpool Inter, where Liverpool sort of weathered the storm and took the loss, but took the win, a a sort of Peric victory for Inter 
one nil was the final score in that one. And on that day, uh, Bayern also beat the ever living crap out of Salzburg seven one after I texted <laughs> after I texted our group chat saying, guys, like, I really think <laughs> I, I really think Salzburg could do it. Can I just um, say you have been spectacularly off in, in calling these Champions League games, which is really funny because before that I was on probably the best run of literally my entire life when it came to predicting upsets. Uh, yeah. Which bodes very poorly for that March Madness bracket. That I just yeah, wait, said. maybe I'll have to rethink um, but, looking right. through your women's basketball picks. But <laughs> yeah, um, but, but last week I was like, yeah, Salzburg could definitely sneak this one like one nil. Like Bayern, you know, they're a bit shaky right now. Uh, you know, they just drew with Leverkusen at the weekend. Uh, they barely beat Frankfurt the weekend before. Like Salzburg, they can score, and of course. Robert Lewandowski scored a nine-minute hat trick yeah. uh, in the first 25 so, minutes. I will say, like, regression regression to the mean is, like, the, the statistics equivalent of, like, the heat death of the universe. Like, you should never really bet against it. So, you know, Salzburg taking, what, the 1-1 draw in the first leg, you always expect Bayern to just, well, like, completely yeah. overcompensate and, and just destroy um, in, in the second leg. Well, if we're talking regression to the mean, if we end up talking about Arsenal at all, there's a good regression to the mean um, thing that I have about that. But sure. were you surprised at all by by the Liverpool Inter scoreline or performance? Um, a little bit. I mean, it was it was Liverpool at home. It was Liverpool playing. I think pretty much their their strongest eleven or some variation um, on it. Maybe Curtis Jones doesn't always get in, but I think he's pretty good you know I think it's it's a tough because you know Lautaro Martinez who you know had been in pretty poor form for much of 2022 entered this game after scoring a, a hat trick against Salernitana um, in Serie A you know the weekend before but still wasn't all that effective uh, against Liverpool until he kind of just really rocketed um, this this ball uh, into the top uh, right corner after you know Van Dyke stood off him a little bit more than he should have. But then seconds later, Alexis Sanchez, um, you know, for all his positive energy, going in studs up and getting a second yellow after you know he got a first yellow for a you know over energetic studs up challenge. And so I feel like we didn't quite get to see um, what Inter could pull out in that last thirty minutes of the game. Um, but I think Liverpool, you know are the better team and will have gone through. And it's just a little unfortunate that Inter, you know, for another season running, haven't quite made it as deep into Europe as they would have hoped um, as the Italian champions. Yeah. And I mean, at the end of the day, Liverpool didn't allow a shot or they allowed maybe like one shot in the box. I think the entire tie, uh, which is a pretty good recipe for success. Um, and I'm sure they wouldn't, they, they don't like, you know, the optics of, of losing a game, but they knew their job and, and they took care of business in the first leg. And that's really all you could ask of them. Um, yeah. I mean, and they were playing pretty much a full choice, uh, a full choice 11, uh, even with uh, Curtis Jones getting the start in midfield. Curtis Jones, I always think of him as being like 23 right now, but he's actually only 21. Uh, and it's kind of scary that Liverpool have some very, very good young talent. Uh, and continue to recruit fairly well, even though it does seem like either or both of Mo Salah and Sadio Mane are uh, bound to depart. I think 
clearly yeah, I feel like I feel like I wish I had Nick or we had Nick here today because the most solace situation is kind of yeah interesting yeah um, I mean it's it's something that gets ramped up a bit uh by agents and stuff but uh clearly the biggest and most fun tie to dissect from this last week was <laughs> not Man City nil nil sporting uh, in a game that no one was watching uh, because at the exact same time, Real Madrid and PSG played to a 3-1 spectacular comeback. It was a comeback equally as impressive as the collapse which preceded it. Uh, after Mbappe got things started for PSG who were really dominant in the first half, uh, Real Madrid produced maybe the best half of soccer this season and blew the doors off of a shambolic PSG midfield and back four uh, and eventually came back from 2-0 down at halftime uh, on aggregate to score three in 15 minutes and pick up a 3-1 victory on the night. Uh, Super big indictment of PSG, huge indictment of Pochettino, and at the end of the day, it has to be said, um, a very strong performance for Ancelotti's Madrid. Yeah, this it's I, I'm kind of sad to see this PSG experiment, uh, you know, flame out so badly. Um, somewhat ironically, even though, you know, PSG lost on the day, I actually thought, you know, the uh, M&M of Neymar, Messi, and Mbappe, they were probably, I think, the three best PSG players on the pitch. Um, and it was really just some truly uncharacteristically poor, you know, defensive composure um, from Donnarumma um, and Marquinhos, the captain, that sort of let Madrid back into this game. Um I still don't quite know what's going on with Messi here. I think Neymar just doesn't really care about soccer anymore. So I'm not totally surprised um, that he hasn't been that excellent all season, even though he's been out for a while. Mbappe though, I mean, one man wrecking ball, his quality still showed through in this game. And I think he's now looking pretty clearly at, at a team that he's probably going to join and is liking what he sees on the Madrid side, I think this was just a masterclass in experience using a squad that has been together for a fairly long time. You know, they didn't even have their first choice left back. Nacho was slotting in there, um, but he's been with the team as a kind of, you know, next man up on defense for the better part of a decade now. Um, Valverde, you know, slotted into the midfield perfectly. Modric continues to roll back the years when he needs to in these big games. And then what more can you say um, about Kareem Benzema at this point, who I, has to win in my mind, um, or is you know on his way to winning you know the Ballon d'Or for, for this coming year? 22 goals, 11 assists in 25 games in La Liga this year. In the Champions League, he has, let's see, eight goals and an assist in seven games. He is so, so good. Um, and he looked better than any of, you know, Neymar, Messi, and Mbappe on the day. 
Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I shout out Nacho, by the way, because talk about a guy who could easily have gone to like Villarreal and just started every single game or any club that's like the level slightly below Madrid. Uh, this man has really showed up on some big occasions. But yeah, I mean, Benzema just absolutely took over. And I think it raises some interesting questions for Madrid because they're looking at a summer where they're going to be you know, allegedly trying to sign one or both of Erling Holland and Kylian Mbappe. And I think they risk the PSGification, if you will, of their front line if they try to force out Benzema. I know Benzema is recently turned 34, and we've seen sort of Luka Modric extend his world-class level to the age of 36 right now. Um but this is a summer where, I mean, I'd be stunned if Madrid didn't end up with Mbappe, especially after the game uh, last week. But yeah, I mean, I, I felt really bad watching this game because I remember watching Messi at Barcelona like it was yesterday. Um, and in fairness, it was only about nine months ago. But Messi would just take over games. And part of the way that he would do that is by dropping in and pulling, you know, the defense around him. And part of that is due to the positional awareness and positioning of his teammates. And at PSG, he's been set up to play as a winger, but we all know that Messi's not a winger. He's, you know, truly a false nine who happens to be inserted into the lineup as a right winger. And when Neymar is just sort of standing, loitering at midfield and Mbappe is, you know, preparing to make a, a line busting run, Messi doesn't have the immediate support and the ability to interplay with either his center mids or Hakimi, who's again a sort of do-it-all uh, fullback who was pretty poor on the day, although I think he's really good in general. And then they're basically playing a 4-2-4 because Paredes and Pereira sit so deep in front of two sort of ball-dominant center backs in Kempembe and Marquinhos. So... All in all, PSG, and this is the point that I was trying to make over text, is that PSG and um, Manchester City, to a certain extent, are built in very similar ways, managerial performance aside, where on aggregate, over the course of an entire 38-game, 42-game season, they have enough goals in them where they are able to win 80% of the games. But in the same way that Man City have historically fallen in knockout ties, aggregate doesn't always win in either one or two game situations because you don't have that, you know, again, the law of large numbers, right? We were talking, we're, we're, we could really just do a stats podcast, honestly, <laughs> but, um, but you know what I'm trying to say, right? Where it's yeah, like, if yeah. you had PSG play Real Madrid over 10 games, they might end up outscoring them especially if they play them over 15 or 20 games. Like, frankly, Benzema scoring a second-half hat-trick would have been an anomaly compared to how PSG played that first half. But again, just like they did five years ago, um, and we are very close to the five-year anniversary of the remontada, PSG just absolutely crumbled. And Madrid, the side that are historically the dominant team in the Champions League, showed their medal again. And, you know, I, I also yeah. shout out the the spursiness in this in this collapse as well yeah i think the difference is at least with this psg team is i do think on paper it is 
the strongest PSG team. It's stronger than, you know, the team that made the final a few years ago, in my mind. But they just, in most of their big games this year, have not convinced. And this includes, you know, games against domestic opponents, you know, like Nice, for instance. Um, and so it's just not, it's just not working. Um, and the this the conspiracy theory or or the aggressive not conspiracy theory, the aggressive take here would be like what's the what's the consistent link between you know Barcelona you know having bad you know comeback losses um, over the past few years and PSG having a comeback loss today. Um, uh, it's Lionel Messi. I'm kidding. Obviously, I'm kidding because <laughs> Messi is usually the only person keeping Barcelona's tie. But it's 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 just really unfortunate, I think, on a personal level for him because he didn't want to leave. I don't think he's super settled in Paris, um, but he did think, I think sincerely, that it was a team where he could find success in the Champions League. And now that that hasn't worked out, and now that you know this past weekend in the league, fans were jeering both him and Neymar. Um, I, I just think this is turning into a bit of a, you know, a bit of a nightmare, um, in a way that I don't think anyone really expected, um, now. And I think with Man U losing today against Atleti, you know, neither Messi nor Ronaldo are, you know, in the, uh, quarterfinals of the Champions League for what the second consecutive year. Um, suddenly I feel like the era is in a lot of ways, well and truly over now. Yeah, I, I think I think you're right. And that sort of brings us kind of naturally to today's Champions League fixtures. Um, or we, yeah, we may as well finish up Champions League before going back in time for Europa League. But uh, today we saw Atleti, you know, execute a game plan to perfection against Ronaldo and United, uh, winning 1-0 and 2-1 on aggregate. And then we saw a similar sort of smash and grab game plan from Benfica taking out Ajax. We can probably save the Ajax talk for when Nick is here to belittle me. Um, but uh, Atleti beating Madrid, um, you know, at Old Trafford, I think was a perfect demonstration of, of, of the same sort of theory that we were just talking about, which is um, some teams are built to perform over long periods of time. But this Atleti team sat back for a decent amount of time again, had minimal touches inside the box, but got a really nice goal right before halftime. And then Simeone balled the next 45, well, really the next 51 minutes and just flopped all over the pitch and wound up United. And United just don't have any composure in general. So when they're down 1-0 and chasing the game, it, as soon as Atleti scored, I was like, this tie is over. Um, and I, maybe that was an overreaction, but... Um... Well, I think... Man, you were never on the front foot a single minute of this tie, right? They barely scraped a draw out in the first leg. They obviously lost one nil today and so never let it all. Um, you know, I think Oblock had to make a few good saves, including one off of his forehead from Elanga, uh, you know, from close range. Um, but a lot of Man U's shots, honestly... Oh, and and he had one really good save towards the end off of a glancing header from Varane. Um, but a lot of his saves were sort of 
you know, whipped shots in from distance that, you know, had a certain amount of venom on them from, you know, Dallo and Fernandes, but, you know, it takes, it takes a worldly, like a Ronaldo, you know, against Spurs, you know, last weekend type goal um, to get in. And I, I just look at this team and it's like, oh God, um, there's really no, no hope here. I thought Jao Felix has in the last month or so really come into his own working as a kind of connecting piece. Obviously he set up uh Griezmann with a little, you know, backheel chop who crossed it in uh, for Renan Lodi. He had a goal uh, narrowly called off for offsides a few minutes prior. I don't think Atleti really have, you know, a, a very long runway left in this competition, but for all the troubles they've had this year, they are certainly more of a capital T team even in a season where Atleti are like struggling in that kind of sense of unitedness than <laughs> Manchester United who are imploding on the pitch and who if recent news uh, is correct, their pitch might literally be imploding because they might scrap Old Trafford itself. Right. Uh, and, and you know, some pretty poor behavior from their fans as well, throwing beer and objet at Diego Simeone, which as we've talked about in our sort of France episode in the past is just never, um, never a good look, but yeah, I mean, Atleti don't have as deep or as quality filled a squad as I'm sure they would like as demonstrated by the fact that, uh, seven eighths of their bench is either goalies or random youth products. And, you know, the players they brought on were Kondogbia in the 80th minute and then Felipe and Correa as stoppage time subs. And the fact that, you know, they're starting MLS-bound Hector Herrera in center mid in this game. But yes, Atleti have problems, but United are not good enough to advance in this competition. Um, and at no point in time, like you said, did they look like they were prepared. Uh, they're not advance. good enough. And, and yet at the same time, they still have enough players that Jesse Lingard didn't make it off the bench today, which is also right. Juan Mata. Juan Mata came Who on. I don't think he's minute. made a Premier League appearance this year. I could have that wrong. Or he's no, made I, like one. He, so frankly, Mata is the kind of player who should be going to MLS or he should go to like Real Oviedo and score like 18 goals and lead them to promotion. Um, I'm surprised he didn't go to like Rio Vallecano or some. Oh, he'd like be such that. a Rio Vallecano signing. But uh, yeah, I mean, and, 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 before, and before we move on to Europa yeah. League, looking at, I watched this last weekend's United Spurs game um, with, you know, great distaste in my mouth because it, it was United and Spurs. But this team just flatters to deceive. Like nothing about this performance is replicable whatsoever. And you look at the fact like, yes, Ronaldo scored a hat trick, whatever. He scored, you know, a, a header off a corner, a tap in set up by Sancho and a sort of incredibly low XG strike 0.03 XG. And like, yeah, sure. He can hit them, but they actually got outplayed by Spurs. They were hugely outpossessed. Spurs created 150% more XG. They were outshot. They had more big chances. Uh, they committed more fouls. Um, like nothing about this performance for United is anything but false hope. And frankly, as an Arsenal fan hoping to secure top four, I was glad to see this result uh, because it, it, it Spurs have more games in hand than United. And I think both of them are Europa League quality teams the way they are right now. Yes. Um, and with that, maybe should we take a quick 
a quick detour to, to the Europa League. The first leg of the round of 16 was last week. The second leg will be later this week. So you don't need to spend too too long um, on it. Are you yeah, but between that? the two of us, between the two of us, we know more about the Europa League than uh, anyone else. So uh... it's true. We are of, of, you know, if you had to pick two people out of the, the corner kick trio to, to talk about the Europa League, unfortunately, we are the ones with, with the most expertise. Uh, right. Recent expertise of the three. Although, wait, now I'm forgetting. Did Liverpool win the year or did Benfica beat them? I don't even remember. I don't think it was Benfica. Wasn't it Leon? Or no, no, was no, it no, Sevilla? No. It was Sevilla. Right. Was it, it, Sevilla? Was Emery's, it was Emery's Sevilla that beat Liverpool in like 2015. I'm going to look this up now so I don't seem really yeah. dumb. Sevilla versus Liverpool. Uh, 2016. Final score three one. Kevin Gamiro and Koke scored a brace. Oh, because Daniel Sturridge scored an outside of the foot goal. Oh yeah, from outside the box. And that wow, was this when... is a wild. This is a wild, uh, a wild Liverpool team and a wild uh, Sevilla team. What's Kevin Gamero up to these days? Honestly, uh, isn't he still in Italy? Doesn't he play for like Como or something, or like Hellas Verona? Kevin Gamero. He's definitely still in Italy. He plays for he, no. He plays for Strasbourg. Strasbourg. Are they are they Ligue 1 or are they League Two? Uh, let me see. They are fifth in Ligue 1? Dude, Ligue 1, Whatever. What yeah, the that, hell? You know that says a lot about what we know about Ligue. Hang 1. on, Caleb. <laughs> you know the team that's in first place right now is PSG, but can you name yeah. the three teams between PSG and Strasbourg? Uh, 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 nice is one of them. Nice is one of them. Uh, is it like, is it Lyon? Is Lyon in there? Or is it Lyon, Lyon or Marseille? No, or is Marseille? Lyon is in 10th. Marseille okay. is in second. So now you, who is in fourth place in, right now? Uh, uh, Caleb? Dude, I'm not going to, I'm not going to get it. I'm not going to, because I could just guess a bunch of random teams, but I have no knowledge. Uh, they have, uh, I'll give you some players and I'll see if you can get it through there. They have Gaetan Laborde. As their center forward, along with Martin Terrier, uh, Lovro Majer is their left mid. Uh, Alfred oh. Gomis is their oh, goalie. Oh, oh, it's it's Ren, right? Exactly. There we go. Uh, yeah, good shout. Uh, to be fair, I would not have known the answer. I would have thought Lille were higher, Monaco were higher. Um, yeah, crazy that Leon are in tenth as well. Le- Ligun has crazy parity, other than outside PSG. of PSG. Yeah. Um, but yeah, anyways, on to the Europa League. This is it's nice tangents today. I appreciate it. Um, yeah. We can start, Caleb, with Barca nil-nil Galatasaray because that has the least amount to get to. But yeah. honestly, one of the... I say this a lot, but like this is one of the lowest quality games of soccer relative to expectations that I could have had. Yeah, I think it's unfortunate. You know, Barcelona have been in some pretty fine form. Recently, I would say, including this past weekend, you know, the game following the the nil nil draw against Galatasaray, but uh, just couldn't couldn't quite. I don't I don't think Galatasaray ever threatened all that much, uh, but Barcelona just couldn't quite get it done. Nico Gonzalez, unfortunately, is not quite Sergi Busquets, um, but I think we knew that. And Depay, I think, would have hoped to have a good showing on that left wing. Didn't really do super great i think Farron torres I, I don't really know why we played depai on the left and, and Farron through the middle i would have preferred that being flopped um obviously i still think we'll go through but going away to turkey as i've mentioned before 
will be tough, but I think we will play perhaps a slightly bulked up uh, 11 uh, for the return leg. Yeah, I mean, Barcelona should be able to take care of business. Uh, looking at this Galatasaray team, it's less quality than I would expect in a decent Turkish team, if that's fair to say. Um, but uh, regardless, there were some crackers uh, in the afternoon. Uh, Sevilla beat West Ham in a very interesting mix of uh, clubs. Sevilla really outplayed West Ham uh, on yeah. the day, uh, even though even though Vlasic off... should have scored a couple early on. Yeah, both teams that have come off the boil a little bit um, in recent weeks. Sevilla, you know, edging farther away from Madrid in the league and, you know, Barcelona and Atleti edging closer. And then I think West Ham, who are, are still trying to keep up the European hunt um, and I think are still roughly, yeah, they're still in sixth. They're, they're still, you know, in, in Europa League places, but aren't quite reaching the, you know, early season Champions League flirtations that that we were kind of wishing for perhaps indeed uh braga beating monaco i did not watch that game <laughs> i don't have any substantive analysis on it sadly uh nope. rangers have continued to stay hot they beat red star 3-0 and they should be through to the quarterfinals the the most entertaining tie of the round which we all could have predicted uh I think was, we did predict actually uh, was atalanta leverkusen yeah. Uh, and actually, we missed two games, by the way, because two of the Europa League games took place on Wednesday. Frankfurt oh. 2-1 Betis and Lyon 1-0 Porto, but I don't care enough about either of those ties, and they're both sort of going according to chalk right now. 3-2 yeah. uh, Atalanta over Leverkusen. We knew this tie was going to have goals, and uh, yeah. we were not disappointed. No, I mean, Malinowski is still banging him in. Like, Klitschko is banging... Russian heads right now. Um, Muriel, I feel like I this is the like, greatest joke, but yeah, keep going. Uh, Sorry, you can, you might be able to. No, I mean, that. no, I no, no, that's it's it's no, 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 it was just more of the, the the humor aspect of it. The delivery was a little bit drawn out, but no, I think we have to keep it in, but keep going. Muriel, you know, I feel like this is exactly the game where he would grab a brace, and then I don't know, the I, I feel like in a lot of ways, Leverkusen is the Atalanta of the Bundesliga. Um, I don't know if that if that fully makes sense. Um, but it was an entertaining game overall. And I look forward to the second leg, hoping for more goals uh, in Germany this time. Yes, although sadly, Florian Wirtz tore his ACL and so he'll yeah. be out for the next nine or eight months or so. That's really, that's which is really super bad. unfortunate. Because um, he was having a. Yeah, seven like goals, really 10 assists good. in 24 games. He's one of Germany's highest rated players uh, in the Bundesliga. Yeah. Um, the I good news he... is. The good news is, is that he has plenty of time. He's only 18 years old. Um, so similarly to Kai Havertz, Leverkusen should get another like full year or two out of Wurtz before he eventually goes to Man City. Um, but, or or Muller retires and he replaces And he just goes to Bayern. Bayern. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, or at that point, uh, Bayern by Havertz instead, uh, which is a theory that I could totally Who, who get is kind of the, uh, the, the, the OG Taller Wurtz yeah. predecessor at Leverkusen, but yes. Yeah, pretty much. Um, and then I guess looking at this last weekend worth of soccer, uh, we had, you know, United being Spurs 3-2. Arsenal uh, pummeled Leicester winning that game 2-0. Arsenal are now firmly in fourth uh, with one point. They're one point ahead of United, uh, six points ahead of Spurs, 
with one fewer game played than Spurs and three fewer games played than United. Um, and 538 gives Arsenal, well, actually, I'll tell you what 538 says. But when I checked the other day, it was something like 80%. Now, let's see where they are at in terms of probability of, of qualifying for the Champions League. But Arsenal have certainly looked uh, very, very good in recent weeks. But until we have a real marquee fixture, yeah, 71% chance for Arsenal to finish fourth um, compared to 15% for Spurs, 11% to United, and 4% for West Ham. So all in all, uh, I'm feeling uh, pretty pretty pleased with uh, how things are going on that end. Uh, but is there anything else on the soccer side of things that you want to get to? On do we want to talk? Side of do, do we want to talk Barca beating Osasuna four nil? Because that was a pretty fun game to watch, unlike their Thursday game. Yeah, I mean Barcelona always I feel kind of roll Osasuna, but I think the main takeaway from this was. Nice to see Ferran Torres not just skying 11 shots a game and actually showing uh, some composure. Dembele is looking mighty fine right now um, as, as a kind of playmaker off the right. I wonder where we've seen that before. Um, well, it turns yeah. out that when you give him like an actual striker that he does pretty well. Yes. Uh, yeah, I yeah. think that's sort of a, a pretty important thing to consider. And like we talked about a few weeks ago, I really wonder if, uh, you know, the way that the team is playing now could could persuade him uh, when it comes time to make a decision on where he ends up playing. Uh, yes. But he certainly his last four games have been really, really good. Uh, obviously, right. he now he, has um, he has four assists and a goal in five games. I think right. And he has seven assists in La Liga in 11 games this year. It's his highest ever total in La Liga. Um, I think he has the most assists or he's tied for most assists in the league since the change of the calendar. Um, and you might say Chavi would like to keep Dembele on his daily mix. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> and there you go. You've redeemed yourself for the earlier joke. Yeah. Um, but yeah, is it, obviously is, it, is Barcelona... that a pun or a joke? Just, just out of curiosity. Like, how would you classify a, that? I think it's a joke, right? Cause I think, okay, a, pun, a, I think a pun joke. is sort of like you're messing with the language somehow. Yeah. Right? Yeah. This is not like uh, a play on words. Totally. No, it is. It is what it is. It's just, it's more like a, a contextual joke. Exactly. Um, um, but yeah, no, very, uh, very funny. Uh, cause of course, as we mentioned or hinted at in the open, uh, Spotify and Barcelona have confirmed a partnership agreement, which will see Spotify take over not just uh, the naming rights for Camp New, but also as their main shirt sponsor, which I think is is a good thing because I, I personally have found that after Barcelona fired off banger kit after banger kit with UNICEF, uh, the Rakuten kits have kind of uh, been a, a bit of a disappointment. But uh, I think yes. we can. It's probably... also a crazy large deal. It's like it's oh, it's like billions million of million dollars it... over four years. Yeah. Um, I think one last thing that we should talk about, you know, sporting wise, is you know AC Milan have just ever so slightly uh, tightened their grip at the top of Serie A, following uh, Inter Milan drawing with Torino, one one. As it stands. Uh, Milan are on 63 points in 29 games played. Napoli are three points back. Inter are on 59 with a game in hand. But with that draw, even a win won't put them top. I think this is this is probably the most interesting title race, although I guess the Premier League one 
is also pretty tight now um, following City's draw. Um, but Milan, Napoli, Inter is definitely, you know, another area to watch in the next month or two. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, the Premier League race is is incredibly close right now. And when Liverpool beat Arsenal on, uh, well, tomorrow, uh, you know, they will be within a point of Man City playing Man City uh, in two weeks uh, after the international break. Um, but yeah, going on, going back to Italy, certainly a league to keep an eye out on. Um, and I think we sort of just kept waiting for some sort of regression from Juve. But the problem is their floor is lower and their ceiling is lower than in years past, uh, in my opinion. And, you know, yes, they are still within striking distance. They're seven points back of AC Milan right now. Uh, I just don't think they totally have it. And, um, you know, a, a three or four way title race between you know, Napoli, Inter, Milan, and Juve is pretty compelling, I think. And uh, I'm certainly looking forward to seeing how it pans out. Yes, I think I think that's it for me. Yeah, today. that's it. That's it for me, too. We still got uh, two more Champions League games, and then a bunch of Europa League games coming up uh, this weekend. We have uh, the last fixtures before the international break, uh, including El Clasico. It's an FA Cup weekend. Uh, oh yeah, El Clasico's coming up. That old game. Yeah, oh. um, El Clasico's coming up. Arsenal play Villa in a, a game that I'm sure we're all super excited about. Uh, but then oh. we've got international football coming up, including crunch time for USA as they take on Mexico. Uh, and I think they need four points to clinch basically qualification to without without uh, McKinney. Yes, Sand Weston McKinney, and maybe um, uh, Pulisic will have to take like a boat back. Um, <laughs> well, um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be very interesting. Um, uh, but we will have all of that and more the next time, uh, you hear from us, but until then I have been Nathan Strauss Gail Brids. and we will see you next time. Bye.